0: It is wonderful to be back with you all. I'm very, very grateful for the opportunity to do so. Uh, Spent some time with you, as Claire said, back in the winter uh, with a Sunday school class and some worship. And I'm really glad to see familiar faces and to to be able to be with you all again this morning. Um, It's always a pleasure to be not only here in this church, uh, but to have an opportunity to be with Claire. Uh, She's a, a wonderful treasure that you all have. She is competent and caring, and uh, she's been a wonderful host to me when, uh, when I have been here. I appreciate her very, very much. Uh, we're going to be reading a portion of the letter to the Christians in Ephesus this morning as our text, but before we approach this passage of Scripture, I'd uh, like for us to take a moment to ask God to open our hearts and minds, so let's pray. Loving one, prepare our hearts and minds to receive your word. Silence in us any voice but your own, that hearing we may also obey your will and be your faithful people. For the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. This letter to the church in Ephesus, uh, I I need to say a little something about this passage that we're going to be reading this morning, because it's kind of lengthy and convoluted. Uh, the way it's been translated for us into English, it's not as lengthy and convoluted as it would be. Uh, Because in the original languages, all of these verses from verse 3 all the way through verse 14 is one single sentence. Our translators have been kind enough to put some semicolons and periods in there for us, give us a chance to breathe a little bit in between. But it's, it's as if the writer was once started just couldn't stop. It just kept on coming out and coming out until finally he gets to a place to pause. So as you listen to this passage this morning, see if you can't pick up some of this this breathless enthusiasm that the writer feels for what he's writing about. Perhaps it can translate over into us also. A reading from the letter to the church in Ephesus, the first chapter beginning with the third verse. Let us listen for the word of God to us today through the words of this writer. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before God in love. God destined us for adoption as God's own children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of God's will, to the praise of God's glorious grace that God freely bestowed upon us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us, With all wisdom and insight, God has made known to us the mystery of God's will, according to God's good pleasure that was set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in God, things in heaven and things on earth. In Christ, we have also obtained an inheritance having been destined according to the purpose of the one who accomplishes all things according to that one's counsel and will, so that we who were the first to set our hope on Christ might live for the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance Toward redemption as God's own people, to the praise of God's glory. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We we Americans tend to put a lot of stock in ourselves, Uh, self reliance. Was one of Ralph Waldo Emerson's most popular essays. You can go to Barnes and Noble's and browse for hours through the the do it yourself section and the self help section. The most popular kind of photograph being taken today is, appropriately enough, called the. Exactly. Now, I've, I've been a part of this as much as anybody else, I have to admit. But I also have to admit that that I wasn't quite sure exactly what to do with this passage when it came up in the lectionary. I mean, I've been conditioned over decades of study and preaching to deliver sermons mainly on what we are to do, on what we are to think and feel. But in this passage from the letter to the Ephesians, We find the writer speaking of something we have not done for ourselves, have not achieved by hard work, earnest endeavor, sly maneuvering, or burning the candle at both ends. This writer speaks of our salvation, of our relationship to God, all in one incredible sentence that speaks of what God has done, what God has accomplished for the whole creation, out of God's free grace in Jesus Christ. We bless God because God has blessed us, has chosen us, destined us, gifted us, redeemed us. It's God who has done all this. Christians gather in church on Sunday to praise God and try to live our lives with integrity and righteousness all the other days of the week, not in order to get somewhere with God, but rather because in Christ, in some unimaginable way, God's already done it. We bless God here on Sunday morning in church, in our songs and prayers and dedication, and we bless God on Monday morning at the office and at school, at home, on the road, with all of our deeds because God has blessed us, has chosen, adopted, redeemed, gifted, forgiven us. Now, when someone gives you a gift, It's appropriate to say thanks. Our entire lives are supposed to be our thanks to God. One way we might think about this is that our lives, your life and my life, may be the only song of praise to God that someone will ever hear. Think about that for a minute. Your life, might be the only song of praise to God that someone will ever hear. So let's make it a good song, a song that others can can pick up and sing along with us. You see, being church is supposed to be much more about God than it is about us. Admittedly, it often turns out to be otherwise. Church life is often filled with, with frantic activity and an awful lot of business or busyness. There are programs and meals and meetings, endless meetings. And we bustle about doing and working and seldom thinking about why we're doing these things here and because of whom. Rather than being a sign pointing to God's reign in the world, we too often become a stumbling block instead. Friedrich Nietzsche was speaking for many people outside the church when he said, you must look more redeemed if you want me to believe in your Redeemer. Even the worship we experience in church is often more about us than it is about God. One of my colleagues calls it anthropocentric utilitarianism. Is that a 50-cent term or what? What he means by that is that our worship is often centered more on us and on our needs. It's anthropocentric and on what will work in order to get us what we think we need or what we want. It's utilitarian. I wish I had a nickel for every time someone had said to me something like, the purpose of a sermon is to show me where I've gone wrong and to motivate me to do right. Or we say, church is where we go to find out how to live better lives. And that's true as far as it goes. Sometimes how to live a better life becomes nothing more than just another self-help technique. One of our sister churches had a sign out front of it that said, truth principles that work for you. You know, to be perfectly honest, you don't need God for that. I mean, if that's all the church is talking about, then we ought to recognize it for what it is. A place where you can get helpful hints for well-meaning people who need to do a little fine-tuning on their basically good lives. But Ephesians doesn't talk about that. Ephesians begins not with us, and with our needs, and with God, and God's amazing, incredible grace and goodness. And that's where we ought to begin, too. We love, 1 John says, because God first loved us. We sing praise not because it makes us feel good, but because God is good. We confess our sins not in order to obtain forgiveness, but because that's the appropriate way to relate to the one who has shown us such amazing grace. We make our offering not in order to purchase something for ourselves, but because the one who has placed such bounty in our hands has also placed in our hands a tremendous amount of responsibility for others and for the ongoing ministry of the church of Jesus Christ as a whole. Church on Sunday morning is not just a time to gather with like-minded friends, take out our little moral notepads, and receive our ethical assignment for the week. Church is first and foremost a place of praise. We who are church are called to something much bolder and morally risky than simply obeying a set of rules. We are called through our praise to signal the advent of God's reign, to be a a counter-cultural place where the prisoners and the poor and the outcast and the strangers are welcomed, where Christ turns the world upside down and everything, everything is made new. And as amazing as it is to say, Our worship together is not just a sign of that coming rain. It is a manifestation of its presence. Here, in our worship together, the reign of God becomes tangible and visible and real. Betty Ann and I were driving down the highway once and we saw one of those hand-lettered signs by the side of the road. It said, get right with God, in all caps. And the sign, I would guess, was <laughs> some kind of a warning. You better get right with God. Do what you need to do to clear up your accounts with the Almighty because your car might just blow a tire in the next mile. And you might meet your maker without having made things right, because that is your responsibility, right, to make things right. You know, that kind of heavy-handed guilt and fear has always seemed to find its way into the Christian message, whether it ever belonged there or not. But that sign has it wrong. Christians pray, sing, Serve and obey, not because we are desperate to clean up our act and get somewhere with God. We do these things because in Jesus Christ, God has accomplished it. We are made right. That's passive voice. We are made right with God, not by our own efforts or merits, but by the amazing. Unbounded grace of God in Jesus Christ. That sign ought to read, because of Jesus Christ, you are right with God. Now go and act like it. To anyone who will listen, we proclaim Jesus Christ is Lord. That is why we call out, hallelujah, literally, praise the Lord. It is because of God's love, God's grace, that we are here to bless God, to sing praise, and to live thanksgiving. Let us pray together. Gracious One, so much of what's in the world around us presses us toward thinking about ourselves, what we need, what we want, and the world is happy to sell it to us. Help us to discover anew that here, as church, we come together to give you thanks and praise for what you have done, not for what we have done to give you thanks and praise for a love that knows no bounds, for a mercy that covers all, and for a life that can be filled with joy and thanksgiving and service to one another and to others whom we will never see, to others who may hear our song and we will never know it. As you renew our vision of who you call us to be, Turn us again to the Christ so that we might see and believe in you and live the life he holds out to us. Because it is in his name that we pray and that we seek to live. Amen.